0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Today's theme has been leaven. The leaven of the corrupting influence, or at least a change. Leaven is in Scripture mostly discussed as a corrupting influence, but it really just is a change. And as I said this morning, as I was reading about it, uh, the claim is that it doesn't just add to what is already there, it changes what is there. It changes it at the basic levels into something that it was not before. And so it's a change agent. Now, leaven is used in Scripture, of course, we noticed this morning, that God, when He told The Israelites, as Ken was talking about from Leviticus, God was talking about them offering sacrifices, and He didn't want them to include leaven in their sacrifices. And so we have the Lord's Supper, which includes both emblems being unleavened because there could not be any leaven in their houses for the week prior to the Passover. So we've been talking about influence. Well, tonight we're going to talk about influence, but we're going to talk about it from a different standpoint. We're going to get into Corinth. There's something going on there. There's something going on in Corinth that is a problem, which is why Paul wrote what he did in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So for a few minutes, I want us to think we noticed what God wants this morning, I'm going to take those same things and figure out how Corinth failed. Here's something we can, if you've studied Corinthians at all, you know this. If you were in the first century, shopping for a church like we sometimes can do if there are multiple places to be, you would probably not have picked Corinth. I mean, Corinth was not one of the ones that would go, that's high on my list. I mean, after all, here's a good group of people that the book describes as, they don't even, they're not even on the same page. They are divided. If you look right here in this text, when they came together for the supper, it wasn't for better, <laughs> it was for worse. You know what that means? It's not like a marriage ceremony. I'm with you, for better for worse. It's not what it was. Here's what he's saying. When you got together, you made things worse. You should have stayed apart. You would have been better apart had you not come together. Well, how do you want to be in a place like that? And then you think about what else was going on. Think about the list of sins openly on display. Now, I know every church has people in it, and so people are sinners. We're talking about... A list of sins that everybody would go, oh yeah. Those people over there, they're committing adultery. And those people over there, they're fornicators. And you could, because li- Paul listed them. I know that because there was a guy right there in their congregation who was in an adulterous relationship with his own stepmother. And everybody knew it. I want to be a part of that church. And then, They were suing each other in open court. They couldn't get along in their marriages. They were getting involved in idol worship in a way that they were giving money over here instead of over here. I mean, here's a church that's got some real problems. And even in the gifts of God, the miraculous gifts, they weren't even using them properly. Causing disturbance in the assembly. So this church had some, some real issues. I want you to notice with me in the context that was just read. of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want you to notice with me how the church in Corinth failed. Because their, what they chose to do was to allow the leaven to corrupt them. And so it does change. And it was changing them and corrupting them. And Paul is telling them, all right, here's where you messed up. Now we're going to take notice what happened this morning, and we're going to apply it to them tonight. This morning we talked about Outside, inside out. The giving principle. Because of what's on the outside, it comes into me and changes me on the inside. Therefore, I want to give. That's a problem in Corinth. The leaven corrupted them in a way that that is not who they were. They, in fact, Wanted their own stuff. Look at what's going on here. We have to make sure we can understand how Paul is writing this in verse number 24. When you come together it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now wait a minute. Didn't we eat? I mean, unleavened bread, you you chewed the fruit of the vine, you drank. So Paul says it's not to eat the supper when you come together. Well, now you're confusing me, Paul, because I thought that's why we came together. In fact, verse thirty-three says it is. He 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 says, wait on each other to eat. So what's going on? Well, Paul's not talking about the technical aspect of chewing and drinking. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, remember, you're coming together and making things worse. So what was happening was, he says, we're not coming together for the purpose of having our appetites satisfied and our thirst quenched. You know know what happens in those church fellowship meals, right? Some people, because not everybody can eat at exactly the same time. They go up there and they get their food, and they go over here and they start eating, and sometimes they're finished before others even get their food. Well, I adopted a principle a long time ago in preaching, man. I want to go last and eat everything that's left. That's what I intend to do. In fact, what would be great for me is that I'm the last one, and I'll get one of those rolling chairs. Just sit by the table and just do this. That, that's what I would do, you know And the entire time that I'm doing this, my wife would be beating on me. You're not doing that anymore. So And I get that. That's what's happening in fellowship meals. You're concerned about, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty. And he says, if that's all you're doing, if that's all that's going on here, then stop. Now, their their situation was far different from ours. The rich and the poor, there wasn't a middle class. So if you're going to have a meal, or if you're going to have emblems for the Lord's Supper, who's going to end up bringing it? won't be the poor people. It'd be the rich. Now it appears to me in Scripture that the early church was in a habit of being together, taking the supper, and having a fellowship meal, which they called the agape feast. And so they would bring the rich wood. They would bring everything for that time. And instead of saying... Let's do this together. They just quickly ran through the buffet line and pulled off by themselves and they just ate until they were finished. And here are the poor on their own with nobody. They were violating this principle of outside, inside out. They forgot that the blessings they had to provide these things came from God. And it should have changed them on the inside so that on the outside they would give. And this leaven, this corrupting leaven, notice what it says. Each one takes his own ahead of others. And in so doing, you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing because they're sitting over in the corner just wishing that they could participate, wishing that someone would fellowship with them. I wonder how the corrupting leaven of selfishness might creep into the Richmond church. I'm going to do it my way. Doesn't matter how somebody else wants it. If it's not done my way, it's not the right way. We joke all the time because Orrin says that to us all the time. You have the right to be wrong. I get it. And yet, we can have that same concept happening here. The challenge is that when you take a group of people, no matter how big, but certainly the larger it gets, the more opinions, the more likes and dislikes come to the fore. The more we have to be able to submit to each other, the more we have to say, "Okay, fine. Are we making sure that we're doing that? Or am I just coming here and getting what I want and filling my stomach and satiating my thirst and then leaving everybody else? The whole point of the assembly is for all of us to influence each other. I don't just come get what I want. I also come and bring what you need, as you should do for me. And this corrupting leaven that was permeating the Corinthian church could also show up here if we're not careful. Number two, it showed up starting in verse 27. We noticed this morning that there is an outside-in concept. Leaven is always an outside thing that comes to the inside of something else. In a bad way, it can come in corrupting, so we need to block it. Now, if we talk about it in a good way, then there's an outside influence that can get in and change me for the better. But if I change, it's because of leaven. It might be because of a negative approach that got inside, or it could be something positive that got inside. But it's from the outside to the inside no matter what. Well, here's the problem. Corinth had a problem with it because they just overlooked. This corrupting influence showed up as saying, I'm going to overlook myself, meaning I don't need to look at me. I don't need to examine myself. Starting in verse 27. If we don't eat the bread and drink the cup in a worthy manner, we're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Have you considered the seriousness of that crime? If those people on that day that crucified Jesus, we're guilty of His body and blood? Is He saying that if I don't take the supper in a proper way, I am guilty of crucifying Jesus again? I don't need to look at me. Oh, I'm going to do it because God says to it. I'm like, Chew, and I'm going to drink. But what is it doing to me? Leaven is a change agent. And it's supposed to make a change. And here Paul discusses these people who just don't examine themselves. They don't think about themselves. They don't judge themselves. They don't look at themselves. Because after all, we're okay. I wonder how that leaven could show up at Richmond. Could it show up by saying, oh, that's a sermon on baptism? I'm already baptized. I don't need to listen to that. I'll just plan my lunch. Could it show up in uh, those Bible classes that they're offering? I've already heard all that stuff. I'm gonna stay home till they come up with a class that I like. Could it show up with the times every time we gather when we and we've labeled it the invitation. Could it show up there when I am involved in that and I'm going, yeah, I can see one or two that need to obey. I had an interaction with that person over there. That person better be walking to the front. Or you know, that one right there has never been baptized. What's his problem? Why is she still hanging on? Or is it a time, every time. To reconsider me. To think about where I am. How can I change in that moment? How can this affect me? Am I like the Corinthians? That I've just decided I'm okay. And all of these opportunities that I have for personal reflection, I just pass them on by Because after all, I'm good. That's what was going on in Corinth. Number three. Verses 33 and 34. We had the issue of the inside out this morning. The inside out says, this is who I am. And... From this inside part of me, I'm giving. I'm reaching out. I'm involved. Because I'm a different person. And I'm committed. They violated that principle. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, there it is, we do eat the supper. But again, the words we have to understand. Wait. Wait. For one another. Here's the problem. It showed up in Corinth this way. I want the immediate thing right now. I'm not waiting for anything. There's a guy I've talked to many, many times. And he has said on a number of occasions recently... I tell myself every day to quit praying for patience. But I do it, and I go, oh man, here's another opportunity to learn patience. These people were not patient. What's he saying? Wait for one another. He's talking about the purpose of the supper. The purpose of the supper is to unite God's people in a moment. That's the supper. Now, there are some I've been there who try to make that so obvious even back during the ancient times when we used to pass communion trays. They would have everybody take it and hold it or hold it until the leader signaled, we all do it together. Well, I get the point. It it helps. It works. I don't think that's demanded by the text. We are together, and we're doing it together together. It's a point of saying I want to create a one another atmosphere. I want to create a time to connect because that's how God designed it. You know it's real easy now. We walk in it's sicking out there. It's real easy. I mean if If there are people who are going to take it tonight and you want to take it with them tonight, it's easy to do because it's right there. And we can do it together. And then we do it not simultaneously, but we do it together to create a togetherness. That's not what was going on here. These people were abusing the situation. Now I ask you, how could impatience show up at Richmond? How? Well, we just had one, didn't we? We can't. We don't have any control over gas prices and building prices don't have any control. And stewardship demands that our shepherds have said, right now we're not going to build. Because that wouldn't be the proper use of the Lord's money. I think they're right. But I'm also impatient at times. I think probably you are too. (laughs) I'd like to see it happen. I got news for you. Our shepherds would like to see it happen, too. Do you ever get impatient? We have, we have needs for people to be involved in certain things. Maybe those who teach in the younger classes could get impatient because others aren't coming out to help. Kim's already started posting about vacation Bible school. Maybe she could get impatient if we don't step up and say, okay, this is what I'll do. Maybe we get impatient because The good that we want to see done is not being done fast enough. To my satisfaction, this is what I think we ought to be doing. And after all, I think I'm right. Guess what? You might be right. You absolutely might be right. But maybe it's not the time. Or maybe it just needs a little more time. There's a problem in Corinth. And the problem in Corinth was there was all this outside leaven that was floating around in that group of people. And they were letting it be a corrupting influence. Instead of turning it around, they were letting it affect them. There is good news in the story. 2 Corinthians. When Paul told them, the way you're handling that guy who's in that adulterous situation, you're wrong. You got to fix that. You can't just let him keep doing that. You know what they did? They reacted and they handled that situation. They handled it, though, with such exuberance and zeal that Paul had to write him back again and say, uh, wait a minute. Why don't you now reconfirm your love? You've shown him how he's wrong. Now, reconfirm it and bring him back. You see, there's good in the story. When the good leaven was laid out, they took it in. And they used it. And it changed them for the better. And I think it's interesting that the very first and really only statement we have from God about giving was to the Corinthians, who had failed as givers. But they became givers. Givers because they let the good influence of leaven change them. It can happen here, both positively and negatively. And I think the supper is a great, great way to remind us about the power of leaven and about our necessity to notice where we are in this situation Every one of us can leave this situation every time and be a positive leavening agent in the lives of other people. Positively, we're just not going to let them talk like that. Positively, we're going to stop that argumentation. Positively, we're not going to say, I'm going to sit there and listen to someone badmouth, a fellow brother or sister who's just trying to help. That's one of the reasons we gather to encourage us to be better. So I leave us today with a challenge. I want to be leaven. I want to be a change. I want to make a difference in people's lives and I'm going to become the positive leaven and I'm not going to be known as the one who's always arguing, fussing, upset, the one who's always going to jab. I'm going to be the one that encourages and helps and is patient with people who need to be patient. And all of that was what was going on in the supper. And that's how we ought to handle it. Like I said, maybe you are a child of God. We have now a chance to reflect on that. What do I need to do? How do I need to respond? Maybe you're not a Christian. And you need to respond to be a child of God.